everyone and welcome to a very special DF Direct. Uh, yes, we're going to be dedicating an entire show to Starfield here because we've still got so many discussion points to go over and we haven't even put out our PC tech review yet uh, at the time of recording at least. And uh, yeah, much to get through on this. So um, yes, joining me on this one, first of all, Oliver McKenzie. Hello. Hey, Rich. How's it going? Just straight back from the Starfield here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously Oliver produced our very first Starfield content, which was the uh, the, the crucial Xbox Series X and S uh, performance breakdown and comparison and, and whatnot. And uh, joining me also, John Linneman, uh, who produced our tech review. Yes, that's right. Uh, we both finished up our Starfield content last week, and there was more to talk about, basically, because uh, I have been playing this game a lot especially on PC, which is something we'll get to today. So, um, yeah, well, let's move on with our first piece of uh, discussion. And, um, yeah, I'm actually going to take a couple of supporter questions on this one, first of all. Hello, DF team, exclamation point. What are your thoughts on the overall performance of Starfield, specifically on the consoles? Can we finally put the, ah, it's only 30 FPS fire yet, out yet, and move on? Uh, that one's from Danny. Uh, this one from Jordan HJ. Does the 30 FPS cap on console harm the experience in any way? Um, so, yeah, this is a really interesting topic that came up time and time again during the preview period or rather the, the under, developer underscore direct that they put out during E3, which is they announced that it's going to be running at 30 frames per second on console. And um, obviously people were hoping that it would run higher, that it would run at 60 frames per second. So... I've decided to produce some uh, quote-unquote original content <laughs> that will hopefully get to the bottom, first of all, of why there is a 30 FPS cap in place, and secondly, uh, whether there is any scope to go higher. But I think, Oliver, I mean, you did the content for um, the, the first look at Starfield. Mm -hmm. It is 30 FPS, but it is the consistent 30 FPS that we were looking for that, that Todd Howard kind of promised, right? Yeah, it is very consistent outside of like a, a couple of areas, maybe on some planets and in um, certain city areas that can be a little bit more intensive. But in general, it's a very consistent 30 FPS and it's very stable and it plays pretty well at 30 as well, I would say. Like these games are not super fast paced. I will say that from playing quite a few hours in the PC version that 60 FPS does benefit the combat quite a bit. But with the motion blur and the stability and the consistency, I did find myself getting used to the 30 FPS update pretty quickly. So I think especially based on what you've seen from your console style PC, <laughs> that 30 <laughs> FPS probably was the right choice for this title. Mm -hmm. Would you concur with that, John? Yeah, I think they made the right choice given what they're attempting to achieve here. Um, and as I pointed out, it is the most stable frame rate they've ever shipped in a console game, right? right. Yes. Like I understand mm -hmm. the expectations for this generation are higher. And I would say by and large, currently even, we're at a pretty good place, right? Most games do ship with 60 frames per second modes these days there's only been a few big disappointments here and there but starfield you know bethesda their track record specifically with the type of game they want to build they don't ship 60 fps console games right like fallout mm -hmm. 4 was a mess on launch uh skyrim as well oblivion all of them all the fallouts like it was not smooth to play on the consoles at all so the fact that we've actually achieved a reasonably stable frame rate here uh, that in itself is a nice improvement. And I think the big question about it is always like, how do they justify this? And I think it's more like they've made what I would describe as a Bethesda game 
almost a PC game even, uh, and it's on consoles. It's akin to asking, would you like them to massively downgrade Baldur's Gate 3 to run uh, at a stable 60? Because guess what? Even though that does have a performance mode, it don't run at 60 (laughs) FPS very much. (laughs) I hope you like uh, 20 but uh, well in, in acts three yeah, yeah it does it does get a bit so a bit gnarly so that's you know with with the things going around this week with uh starfield like the potato thing right there was the potato gif where or video yeah. where they open up the cargo hold and like thousands of individual physics simulated potatoes spill out of this cargo hold in a surprisingly realistic manner uh this is the kind of stuff that their games bring to the table that is very specifically a bethesda thing and I think I'm glad that they've kept that and I'm glad they've amped up the physics simulation because they've done this before, but the level of the simulation and the sheer volume of physicalized objects, it's it's pretty impressive. So I get it. 30 FPS does make sense in this title, just as it does in other titles for various reasons, right? Yeah. So the question is, what happens if you turn off the 30 FPS cap? And truth uh-huh. is, we don't know, right? But we can try and attempt to figure out what may happen. So this is how I did it. Um, Obviously, a while back, I did a review of a China-only motherboard made by AMD called the 4800S desktop kit. There it is in the background. I'm sure Oliver can pull up some uh, library footage of the board. And um, I've paired it with uh, a non-XT version of the RX 6700. There's no GPU equivalent in the PC space to what Series X's GPU is. However... This one is very, very close to the PlayStation 5s. 36 compute units, RDNA 2, uh, same amount of texture mapping units, an awful lot of spec points that are very close to PlayStation 5, right? So, um, yes, I'm basically what I've got here is a PC that's uh, running the Xbox Series X CPU. It's literally the same thing. And uh, a GPU that's very close to the PlayStation 5. Call it a Frankenstein's console, if you like. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so um basically i've installed starfield on it and uh, so you're going to be seeing like uh, captions on our frame rate graph saying uh console settings but it's got an asterisk on it and it's basically the closest we could get to console settings uh, we're running it at 4k resolution fsr2 quality mode or rather 67 percent resolution scaling drs di- uh, dynamic resolution scaling it isn't active in any of this any of this testing it might be active on consoles, right? And I suspect possibly it is, but whatever. Um, yeah, so first of all, let's take a look at this. Now, weirdly, even though it supports dynamic resolution scaling, Starfield doesn't have a frame rate cap. So I don't quite know how they're calculating it. But what I've done here is to use Special K's frame rate limiter, which has specific options to lock to half refresh rate, 30 FPS, just like the consoles. And um, yeah, so even got decent input lag uh, using this latent sync option. So I'm using Aquila here as a pretty heavy spot for testing. Um, you can see that frame time's consistent at 33 milliseconds until we hit areas where we're GPU limited. I'm pretty sure we are GPU limited, by the way, as you'll see later on. Um, but yeah, you can see that we have actually managed to cap Starfield's frame rate and it looks and feels when it's running at 30, just like the Xbox Series X version. So sort of job done there. Uh, so yeah, that was that was quite an interesting exercise. 
Um, but first of all, we're going to be removing the frame rate cap, turning VSync off. So this is, you know, as close as we can get to Starfield on console running with an unlocked frame rate. So yeah, let's return to Aquila, VSync off. We bottom out at 30 frames per second throughout the entire sequence. Uh, but yeah, we're sort of in a 30 to 40 FPS no man's land. And I don't know what you think, John, but this kind of validates the idea of a 30 FPS cap, right? Which is if, if you want consistent performance, basically you have to balance the GPU and the CPU and always have a bit of overhead left over to ensure consistency. That's exactly right. And uh, as we can see here, that is not achievable with your settings here. Uh, but this this also presumes then that you're using the same settings as the 30 FPS mode on Xbox, right? So I guess the question is, could we actually reduce these settings further to get there? Yeah, possibly, yeah. Or use dynamic resolution, which More we haven't got active here. Like, yeah. a, like but, for instance, imagine if you had Series S style settings on a Series X, could you get to 60? Maybe, uh, well, we'll maybe not. We'll test that a bit that later we on. We will, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's continue with just the basic unlocked performance and uh, had a look at Neon next, which oh, yes. is a very interesting environment. Uh, this touches 40 FPS, uh, but that nightclub area with all the lighting there does seem to be quite heavy. Again, it's another validation here that uh, 30 FPS cap is is based on this CPU and GPU profile is basically the right move. Uh, my house at Nessoi, very foliage heavy. Uh, forests, that kind of thing. Wait, Rich, Super you, hard. You, you did that? You did the thing where you have like the, uh, at the beginning of the game where you uh, shackle <laughs> yourself with a mortgage? Yes, and I'm, <laughs> I deeply regret it. But it has thrown up, it did throw up this instantly in, interesting GPU bound scenario where we've, we, we were looking for foliage and forests and uh, it's super hard on the GPU. If VSync on, it's actually dipping below 30 FPS, but with VSync off, we kind of around that sort of area and above. So again, this all says to me that 30 FPS is, is right, the right move. Um, and again, when you have that first fight scene at the beginning of the game, 30 to 40 FPS. I mean, it all sort of points towards the concept that the game has you know, basically been balanced for 30 FPS on this class of hardware. Now, mm -hmm. the question is, can we go any higher? Because we've got that statement from Todd Howard saying, well, parts of the game run to, to 60 frames per second, right? And um, yeah, basically space combat, this is right at the beginning of the game again, 35 to 50 frames per second. I'd say this was, well, going into this test, I thought that would be our best chance of hitting 60. Don't quite manage it. Um, but the first um, research station mission um, basically it's pretty much in 50 to 60 frames per second territory, which I think is uh, possibly validation of what uh, Todd was referring to. I mean, this game is so big, there's almost certainly going to be areas that will run at 60, right? You know, depending on density. So, you know, we've got a, we've got a PC here that's got basically CPU and GPU performance that's going to be in the ballpark of what the consoles are doing. And it all validates the 30 frames per second side of things. And um, the other thing I think I noticed here is that we've seen no evidence that at 30 frames per second or even going higher that we're CPU limited anywhere. So, you know, basically, like what you said earlier, John, you know, maybe if there was to be a performance mode, they could drop the resolution and then basically achieve a different kind of hardware balance. 
which I found quite an interesting notion. It's something we can do, right? So the way I did that was to basically think to myself, well, what? how would a potential performance mode work for Xbox Series X? We've got um, Series S running at 1440p, 900p internal resolution, right? With FSR2 upscaling. Mm -hmm. And it looks all right, doesn't it? That's something yep, you mentioned yep. in your content, Oliver. It, it, you know, the, the yeah. Series X versus Series S comparison, 1440p versus 4K. It looked pretty decent, right? Yeah, it looks quite good. And it's a smaller difference than what we usually see between, between the two machines. And really in typical play, the only difference that you're really noticing is that the Series S is a little bit softer, but the various settings downgrades outside of that don't really make much of an impact and the game actually looks quite good on Series S. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in theory then, what if we sort of tweaked the resolution downwards to 1440p to match Series S to unlock more performance, but I haven't reduced any of the other quality settings, which uh, Series S has got a few things that have been tweaked there. So we go back to Aquila first of all, V-Sync off again. Um, it's now in the high 40s uh, to begin with. And I'd still think we're actually GPU limited here, but as we move into the town, we get some pretty aggressive frame time issues, which I do think is a CPU limit. Um, but most of the time we're still beyond 40 frames per second. And so, you know, possibly a 40 frames per second mode with a different GPU balance or a different tweak to dynamic resolution scaling bounds could be viable or possibly something, you know, a VRR specific mode. Um, and, the, you know, the, the further I tested this, the more interesting results I got. So we had some interesting results with Neon just running it unlocked, but running it with the reduced resolution unlocked, Neon basically runs locked to 60 frames per second, wow, which yeah. I couldn't <laughs> quite believe. Yeah. And then I went into the nightclub, some minor dips there, but you know, the whole thing was basically running at 60. And there's no real need as such to, to you know, confine ourselves to 1440p. You could in theory just have dynamic resolution scaling, pushing the resolution as high as possible until it hits the, the CPU limit. Uh, space combat, perhaps unsurprisingly, um, 60 frames per second when I rerun that test. Now, obviously, it's early on in the game. Maybe some of the later battles are a bit more intense, but, you know, clearly we've got CPU and GPU headroom to get a much higher frame rate than 30 uh, if you tweak that resolution. Um, yeah, um, the research lab obviously was quite interesting in our first tests because we were in the 50s there just you know, at 4K resolution. Uh, en route to the research lab in our sort of makeshift performance mode, um, mid 40s upwards, but but once we actually get inside the research area, um, so again, what I tested was basically locked to 60 frames per second, uh, which I found really, really interesting. Now, going back to my uh, horrific misjudgment in getting that, <laughs> that house Nessoi, uh, I think we're still GPU limited here, even with the reduced resolution, but you know, we're still north of 40 frames per second. Mm. So, yeah, I'd say this is pretty interesting testing, right? Because um, I think there is grounds here uh, for possibly having a 40 FPS mode. Now, obviously, the, the scope of the test is limited, right? Yeah. And we've no idea really how representative our makeshift Frankenstein's console is of actual Series X, S, X rather performance. But it's an interesting indicator. And um, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. So thoughts on that, John? Yeah, so my takeaway from this is that there's two things that could be feasible as a patch for the game. One, you've already mentioned it, the 40 frames per second mode. 
I do think they could probably get enough headroom with some additional work to actually reach 40 frames per second pretty steadily. So yep. I think that would actually be a pretty smart addition to the game. Um, given that 40 FPS, as we've reiterated, is exactly in between 30 and 60, right, in terms of frame time. So it does yeah. feel good. Uh, but secondly, I would actually say that a VRR-specific mode, and I'm not sure how they'd enable this to the player, might also be uh, a nice win, provided they cap it at, say, 60. Because uh, the Xbox, of course, has full low frame rate compensation support so you get the full vrr range down to i think like 20 fps maybe low i i can't remember the exact minimum but it would handle all of starfield which would conceivably enable uh, a fully just unlocked experience that would actually still look consistent and smooth to the player because i do think many areas in this game are going to be above well above 40 it's just some of the more busy areas and specific sequences where you're dropping the frame rate as we saw. So I do think that the overall gameplay experience would benefit from that. Um, the question is, are they going to do it? Because there isn't actually that much of a precedent for this, right? Yeah, like on right. the Xbox side, they've not done it much. Yeah. We've seen it in Plague Tale, uh, in, in Requiem, or, or wait, which, whichever one it is. The most recent one. The second one. <laughs> it, is, yeah. it is Requiem, yes. It is Requiem. I, I don't... Okay, Innocence is the first one, then Requiem, right? Yeah. And then the third one's going to be like Electric Boogaloo or something. But um, <laughs> that one had a 40 FPS mode on Xbox, but I think that's the only one. Can you guys think of another? Has, has anybody else done it? There was the 40 FPS on Xbox. There was a flight simulator mode, which brought it up to like fully uncapped. But I feel like 40 FPS on Xbox is only in Plague Tale Requiem. Because they don't have um, visibility into it, do they, as the developer? They, yeah, I think um, I think Asobo said that they have some heuristic algorithm that determines whether <laughs> VRR is active or not. So, but, you know, the SDK can be updated at any yeah, time. Yeah, I'm sure they could yeah. find a way to make this work. And I think they should. I really... I hope that they have explored this avenue, but I do not think that they could necessarily reach a stable 60 FPS mode, given the performance load of this game. Also, given what we know about the performance on PC, uh, they're already at pretty low settings here, and I just don't think that you're going to get there. It's not the headroom. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say that um, there are always, I think, going to be two major exceptions to that which are Aquila and New Atlantis, which do yeah, seem yeah, yeah. fairly CPU limited uh, on consoles. Even at 30 FPS, they're dropping uh, quite substantially NPC. in some moments in universal. Yeah, exactly. And PC quite badly uh, CPU limited there, even on higher end CPUs, like on my uh, 13700K, uh, it's still like a little bit messy there. So those are two areas where there would be some issues, although there are already issues in the current build on in those areas yeah. so maybe you just eat I, that i think the other thing of course is that the, the testing here is extremely limited and the whole point of this engine the, the reason it's architected as it is is that you know you can do things like stick 200 uh, thousand potatoes in an airlock and then open the door <laughs> yeah. right yeah you know, th I, th there's no performance mode is ever going to be no. you know designed around those sort of bizarre scenarios that this engine yeah. can deliver but, you know, I think it would be an interesting addition to the game, and I'm curious if they're going to do anything like it. And I'm wondering whether it's actually kind of needed, because 30 FPS is fine, <laughs> fundamentally. 
you know, it's yeah. kind of like another one of those pre-launch controversies that actually turned out to be, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. how I recommended Horizon Forbidden West in 30 frames per second mode. Final Fantasy 16, absolutely 30 FPS mode. You know, 60 is great when you can achieve it. Higher is even better, but in some games it's perfectly acceptable, as we've been saying the entire time. Yeah, I think in this game in particular, though, they do have quite a lot of headroom, I would say, on the image quality to open up a little bit of a higher performance mode, maybe a balanced mode, something like 40 FPS, because when you look at the image quality, especially on Series X, it's already achieving a very good looking uh, 4K output image. You know, they can definitely lower that down to like, you know, somewhere maybe between the Series S settings and Series X settings in terms of resolution and output. Um, and they could achieve a really good visual result that way. So I think it's totally viable from that perspective as well. Would you make a, uh, let's do, let's say there's an unlocked performance mode. Would you consider it to be VRR only to get the best result and to basically ensure that there isn't a, a disaster, John? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> at the same time, some people do like options like this, right? I would yeah, I, I would never so. play it this way. I think it looks terrible without VRR, but you know, there are going to be folks that just prefer a higher frame rate regardless of the frame consistency, and I respect that. So uh maybe okay. it is something that should be made available for all, provided there's like kind of a warning on it, like, hey, uh your frame rate is gonna be unstable, but it's just gonna run as fast as it can. And we'll see yeah. what happens. Okay. I just want to quickly pick up this uh, question from supporter Crowley. Will this play on a 10 gigabyte GPU at 1440p? And the answer is, well, this uh, 6700 has got 10 gigs, actually. And it's only using about five to six from what I can see. So I actually think, um, well, Alex will confirm this in his content, but I think an eight gig GPU will be fine for 4K, uh, which is quite impressive, bearing in mind some of the texture assets are of very, very high quality. Um, but let's move on to our sort of next Was that Mr. Uh, Mr. Crowley? Like, you know, are we talking like, what went on in your head? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's got... <Man. laughs> We're bringing Ozzy into this somehow. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, John, you've actually moved on from the, the Xbox Series was, X version. I've ascended, again. as they say. You've, you've ascended. <laughs> Uh, oh dear um you've moved on to pc sort of and i'll explain okay um but um, i think it's fair to say that the pc version is fine there's some low-hanging fruit and changes that we would have expected bethesda to make um yeah but they kind of haven't but basically it's been modders paradise since day one so how are you actually playing the game? Actually, let's let's take this uh, supporter question from uh, Matthew Barron. Uh, the game looks so washed out in HDR. Mm. Can they fix this easily? Now, this is something that you have been looking to fix, right? In the PC build, at least. Yeah, to a degree. So, yes, I have been primarily playing on the PC um, in my free time and at night relaxing with uh, the Xbox version before bed. So kind of going back and forth, oh, thanks to the cross-save feature which largely works well, but not always. Sometimes the PC version doesn't like to sync up with the server and it requires me to start, stop and restart certain services uh, in Windows 11, which is kind of annoying, but by and large, it works pretty well. But yeah, HDR, uh, I only play on OLED screens now and I prefer to play in HDR. This game on PC does not support native HDR, not that the native HDR is all that good in the first place, as I pointed out in my right. video. Uh, it yeah. uses auto HDR. And this does amp up the highlights somewhat over the 
the Xbox presentation, but at the expense of further raising the black levels, right? And it's it's kind of a weird thing though because the the appearance of the blacks, the as they say, washed out colors, that is, I believe, an intentional choice from the developers. It's sort of a color grading thing. Uh, it reminds me of Bleed Runner twenty forty nine, which is not a an especially bright movie. It has this very sort of flat, kind of like graded look to give it like this low contrast sci fi appearance. Uh, and I can respect what they're trying to do there, but I do think for a game that you spend so much time in, you want a little bit more punchiness. And that's where some of the fixes come into play. So the first big one for me, and this was the one that changed everything for the visuals, is Special K. We love Special K here on Digital Foundry <laughs> uh, from Chaldean. Uh, it's awesome, right? It is truly the Swiss Army knife for PC gamers. Uh, and one of my favorite features of this is the ability to essentially inject HDR into a game. Uh, and this actually works on games that don't support HDR at all. Uh, they put up a fix for... there's a, The current version of Special K works perfectly with this, is what I'm saying. Uh, initially, there were some issues, which were kind of funny, actually. One of them turned the ground into, like, Death Stranding, like, oil sludge, which was funny. But that's <laughs> fixed. Uh, but with some tweaking, I don't know... I, w I wouldn't describe it as correct or incorrect, but... It looks better to me. You get much brighter highlights, and then by changing the gamma here, you can actually sort of bring down the black levels. I don't bring them down too far because of one, I don't want to crush blacks, but also I want um, I want to preserve some of their color grading, right? So it's just kind of creating a, a a wider dynamic range for the image. So everything that should be bright appears brighter to the eye, and then everything that's kind of in shadow is darkened, but not all the way. And with these settings here, I'm pretty confident in, or I'm pretty happy with it, complacent with it. it. It looks good to me, and it's a decent replacement for really high quality native HDR, but not as far as I'd like because fundamentally this game is limited like internally at eight bit color, so they're not they don't have a ten bit pipeline in there for some reason. So you don't get that full color clarity and range and. Uh, there are some limits to it, which is unfortunate, but still, if you're playing on PC, go check out Special K. But if you're like, but John, I don't like that color grading. It's way too intense. Somebody else has made a mod for that as well. And there is the option to essentially remove it entirely. And it does change the look of the game quite a bit. Um, what, you know, that's the beauty of it. It's up to the user whether they like it or not. If I suggest giving it a shot to see what you think. It makes a much punchier a uh, contrasty image like some of the interior spaces that are dark i was thinking more like oh this is more like doom 3 now <laughs> than uh <laughs> starfield right where you just get really dark shadows and it can look pretty cool i'll admit but that is something possible so that's the first thing i would recommend users doing now if you're on I, i'm going to give this as an as sort of a advice as well if you're playing on xbox and you're like oh man i'm left out the hdr sucks and i i can't use special k on my xbox not yet anyways, who knows? Um, there is a way to improve the performance uh, of the HDR content. And I don't like doing this, but you can adjust your TV settings to compensate somewhat. And there's actually two potential approaches here. One, uh, mismatching <laughs> the RGB color space. So like, <laughs> you know, you know how you have like RGB high, RGB low, it's like basically zero to 255 or 16 to 235. Uh, essentially you want to set the 
I, I forget the order it goes, but you need one of them to be 0255 and the other to be 16 to 235, and it crushes blacks normally, right? Well, in this case, it actually kind of, you know, it, it pushes out the contrast a little bit and it uh, brings some extra richness to the shadows. It's technically not correct, but some people might like the look of it. You can also go in there and adjust either the uh, brightness setting, knock it down a little bit, or on the newer LG OLEDs, there's like this fine tuning option for whites and blacks. And if you actually bring the black fine tune setting down to from 10 at the default to five, that also helps a lot. So try any of those, see how they look. It might make your HDR experience look a little better. But fundamentally, what we really need here is Bethesda to actually implement real HDR controls in the <laughs> game because there's none. There's not even a brightness control. And that's what is missing here is the option to fine tune it from within the game. So that's HDR. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> that was a bit of an onslaught of information there, but you're not finished, are you, John? Actually, no. <laughs> well, let's talk about um, DLSS because yeah. um, uh, it was, uh, well, it was a massive hot potato. It was. And uh, basically, a, after months of basically no comment, or other a month of no comment on as to whether um, DLSS was blocked, they've basically come out and said, well, actually, it, you know, they can do whatever they like. And yet the game didn't launch with DLSS. Um, Support a question here from Gatti. What's really happening with DLSS on Starfield? Are AMD's comments misinterpreted or is it a 4D chess move? <laughs> or, or what is it? Uh, hmm. uh, this one from Sp Spudnik. Hi guys, how much, how much do you believe the performance slash visual quality of the game is held back due to lack of DLSS support? Obviously not confirmed by Bethesda as of writing this, but I would be amazed if you now told me DLSS is available. Let me dream, exclamation point. Well, the good news is that uh, once again, similar to other deficiencies or other things that people are not too happy with with the PC version, of Starfield, there have been mods, and basically there was a DLSS mod on day one. Uh, <laughs> Wasn't it like within without, the hour or something? Like it was, yeah. it was ridiculous. <laughs> and um, basically, as we record this, it's launch day, uh, official launch day, September the sixth, and it's now uh, very readily available a DLSS three frame generation modification for Starfield. So, I think the good news is that whether it's 4D, 3D, 5D, however many dimensions there are to this particular sponsorship, um, there is DLSS support for Starfield. Um, question is, John, is it any good? Because some of these homebrew mods for DLSS have been a bit hit and miss, but I think you're playing with DLSS now, aren't you? I am indeed. Uh, and in fact, it made a gigantic difference to the image quality. So there's actually several different DLSS mods out there, I should note, um, and some are simpler to install than others. I'm using, I forget what it is, it's one of the, it's the simplest one. I didn't want to use Reshade because that conflicts with Special K, and I'm not using the Pure Dark option either for frame generation because that also conflicts with Special K. Uh, so because it uses a weird version of uh, HDR. So... The main thing I found is that DLSS or DLA, DLAA does dramatically improve the image, especially in specific areas such as neon. Um, there is a lot of the typical visual noise you get in FSR2 here. Uh, I actually think FSR2 looks pretty okay in this game, by and large. I think it does a good job. It's better than a lot of other implementations of it. They, they've tuned it 
pretty well. But there's definitely those areas with a lot of high frequency details, sharp contrast edges, you know, fine grates and, and all kinds of stuff in the textures that causes it to kind of break. I highlighted one at the spaceport in my video as well. You saw that, right? Where when the ship's fooling away, like the whole thing is just a yeah. shimmery mess. There's a lot of that there. DLSS solves all of it. It's just a pristine looking image. It looks better than just running native resolution with their built-in TAA. Like, it's just, it's so temporally stable now. You get these super clean, smooth edges. It almost makes the game look super sampled it's to a degree, especially if you're uh, using DLAA or a high uh, setting on the resolution slider, because fundamentally, that's kind of how this implementation differs a little bit in that it plugs in in place of FSR2. The resolution slider then functions between 50 and 100%, 100% being DLAA, but you actually have full control over the internal resolution up to uh, 4K or whatever your monitor setting is, right? Uh, so you can kind of adjust that to your liking. There's also the, the sharpness thing. So sharpness is decoupled from DLSS now. Uh, and if you want to use that, you actually do need to use reshade or some other approach to it because the sharpness slider in the game does not apply to the default DLSS, but I think no, it, it doesn't really need it. I would say it looks, it, okay. it looks good enough from where I'm sitting. I'm sitting, you know, in front of a 42 inch OLED and I think it looks great this way. Um, so I think Alex is going to have some really good comparisons in there. Cause I basically was like, dude, you got to go over to neon and, and compare mm -hmm. there. And sure enough, yeah. uh, he sent me the whole SpongeBob eye singe meme after seeing it with FSR two. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that's one area where it helps a lot to switch over to DLSS. Um, well, it's, it's interesting, right? Cause Oliver, the uh, FSR two implementation, it's, it's, it's all right. You know, it's, 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 it's not perfect, but it looks, looks fine. I think generally when you look at it on consoles yeah broadly speaking it looks quite good but when you go to neon in particular like when yeah. you look at long angles of neon and you're looking mm -hmm. at the kind of scaffolding and the lighting it does start to shimmer quite badly and i noted this in my uh my piece on both series s and series x to about an equal degree it also is not perfect with the game's native taa either yep. so it's just yep. a tough area for that image quality in general, though, the game does look, I think, quite sharp and relatively clean with uh, FSR2, especially given that you have motion blurred up by default, so that's helping to hide some of the artifacts that you normally see in motion. Um, mm -hmm. For consoles, I think it's great. Obviously, for high-end PC nowadays, the bar is a little bit higher. <laughs> so they're, yeah. uh, the DLSS mods, from what I've seen, I haven't played with them myself, but from what I've seen, they deliver quite tremendous image quality relative to FSR2 in those areas where FSR2 isn't perfect. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought the uh, image quality on my uh, testing was actually okay with FSR2 sure. in quality mode. Uh, it does seem to be okay, you know, oh, but yeah. um, I think generally speaking, though, uh, you don't know what you're missing until you see it. And thankfully, the mod seems to, you know, bring the full range of DLSS uh, advantages to the table. There are no drawbacks at all. Not that uh, I found yet, anyway. Everything seems to work just fine. And like you say, the implementation of FSR2 is quite good. Uh, and you might be inclined to think it's perfectly fine. But then when you switch over to DLSS, you really realize like, oh, okay, all those little edge cases where there was noise in the image or it didn't look quite as sharp or clean or whatever, uh, DLSS takes care of it, which I think does showcase how much more capable that still is. Uh, mm. Although FSR2 is, I, I do think it's pretty good at this point, so I don't want to knock it for that. 
Uh, they've also added support for XESS via a mod. However, <laughs> I have not been, I have not tested that because it doesn't make sense to use it on uh, an RTX card, right? But right. Um, I would like to actually see how this game runs on Intel now that it's been updated, I think, to work. Because it, I yep. believe it's launched in a state where it didn't run on Intel's ARC cards at all. Yeah. Well, that's something that we're looking into and trying to get some answers on, which is visibility that the IHVs had to the game pre-launch, bearing in mind it's a sponsored title. Um, because we've heard stories in the past about, um, well, basically, the, the way a day one driver comes about, you know, it, it isn't that, the you know, NVIDIA or AMD or whoever get the game on day one and just twiddle some knobs and put a new <laughs> driver out. It takes time, right? Yeah. And for that, they need access to the game in its early stages or, or pre-launched by a good degree of time to get to grips with it, right? And um, I can understand if it is a sponsored title and there's bespoke um, in, uh, integrations, right? Sure. That uh, one vendor would probably not want the others to see those integrations, right? You know, uh, so I can imagine that that is a, you know, possibly what happened here, who knows? But the point is that, um, you know, if if a game like of this stature launches and you're not getting optimum performance from your GPU, I'd say that's arguably worse than locking out vendor specific features like DLSS because, you know, it's it's really not great. But that's something we're just going to have to talk about and try and dig into a bit more and try and get some comments from I from the IHV. Do you want to comment though on this game specifically? So we obviously were talking about this like lack of DLSS pre-launch, and lo and behold, it didn't turn out to be an issue thanks to modders. And I want to point out that that is one of the key strengths for Bethesda sticking with Creation Engine is that the modability for this game is just off the charts. That's what has allowed these games to continue to remain popular for so long. Like all the modding community is built around this, the tools that they provide, everything that they offer. It's such a moddable game in a way that a lot of games aren't, right? Uh, yeah. And you can see that straight away. Like, yeah, there is an argument to be said that maybe Bethesda should have implemented all these different things themselves. But at the same time, you know, this this modding is something that's really built the game is built for this to be modular and i wouldn't be surprised to see some of these mods eventually make their way into xbox as well i mean fallout 4 had mod support right so uh, yeah. it's not impossible mm -hmm. and skyrim and skyrim that's right the the re-release or whatever mm -hmm. uh, actually while we're on this topic this uh, supporter question from busy tracks Hey, DF, what are your thoughts on the upgrades to the creation engine? What are the most notable upgrades? Where are some areas that you believe could be improved further after playing the game? Uh, Oliver, thoughts? Um, in terms of specific upgrades to the creation engine, I'm not too sure because I didn't do like a lot of cross comparison with uh, Fallout 4. But what I can say is that like a lot of the interior spaces just look absolutely beautiful. Like their PBR system is fantastic. Plastics and glass, their volumetrics, all that stuff looks really, really good. Uh, artificial areas look fantastic. In terms of areas that could probably still use some improvement, uh, the character faces are of, I would say, a pretty decent quality overall and are definitely a huge improvement. But, you know, there's some stuff there that's not, not amazing, obviously. But part of that is just a concession to how big these games are, I feel. The one area that I did think could use some improvement and was not great in prior creation engine games either, is some of the stuff they have with uh, foliage shading. It, the trees don't have natural self-shadows to me. The ferns, like if you go through New Atlantis, it just, the lighting looks quite flat on a lot of foliage yeah. elements. So 
that that's probably my biggest like visual bugbear in this game and i think it's something they could definitely improve uh, a fair bit further to get it up to kind of par okay interesting uh, well john you did do the comparisons to prior <laughs> bethesda games lately yeah. as titles so what, what do you think about the upgrades to the engine i mean well from my perspective i think oliver nailed it which is that the um you know the handling of materials is just outstanding compared to prior titles it's it is a generation beyond what we saw in the fallout uh four and fallout 76 yeah i i'd say that's that's the biggest change here they actually shifted to the forge which is a cross-platform rendering framework uh that supports creation engine of course um, and that is likely they, they built on that. And the result is a much more capable rendering framework versus what they had in the past with a lot of the modern features you expect from modern rendering. It looks really good. Um, I do think that they, their the PBR pipeline, the, the quality of their indirect lighting, given that it's dynamic and not ray traced is pretty impressive overall, despite some of the errors you can uncover. And generally, everything just has this like level of granularity that we've never actually seen in a Bethesda game before, where normally if you just zoom the camera in and like look closely at any random object, uh, they didn't usually look very good. And you can really see it in Fallout 4. It just, it, they don't hold up under close scrutiny, but that's not the case any longer. And the, the computers and the technology scattered throughout the Starfield universe I think is shockingly good in terms of actual fidelity. Like you can zoom all the way in and I did in my video on these things and there's just tremendous texture detail there, which is excellent to see. And that I think is, that's the best they've ever done by a long shot. Uh, that alone makes a huge difference. But as you said, Oliver, there are areas, especially the more natural environments where things don't necessarily come together. Foliage and lighting can look weird and create kind of strange results and it's exactly as i predicted on the direct last time where i said there's going to be bad <laughs> yes. actors out there posting shots of things to make <laughs> yeah. it look bad uh you know without context or you know they did exactly what i said like to the, well, the standout one was the uh horizon versus uh starfield oh. npc comparisons yeah uh, i mean the the end so <laughs> This is interesting stuff. I, I do want to explain a little bit about the, their approaches to this because we've seen it in both Sony and Microsoft games. But like, uh, first, let me talk about Ratchet and Clank. When that game came out, there was this thing going around where people were jumping into an area of the world where you're not supposed to go. And then they were positioning the camera in a strategic way to essentially reveal some of the faults in the rendering. And then they were parading this around as like, this is representative of the visuals in Ratchet and Clank. It was extremely dishonest, right? The same thing kind of happened here, but in a different way. So the NPCs, as I pointed out in my video, they're often very ugly, right? They don't look very good, but there's a interesting peculiarity with them where their eyes track the player movement right so what they did was essentially go into new atlantis where the npcs actually look the worst by the way i don't know why but it's specifically the npcs in that city <laughs> look the worst in the entire game it's very strange uh but by crouching before them and getting the camera at a sharp angle below them you actually cause their eyes to shift down, which gives this really weird, like kind of effect, <laughs> which uh, 
it takes what are already not great looking NPCs and makes them look significantly goofier. And so when you show that to somebody that doesn't understand what they're looking at, they just see something that looks really stupid, right? And you put that next to a game like Horizon Forbidden West has the best NPCs I've ever seen in a game like, you know, an open world kind of game like this, right? Like the <laughs> best bar none. They absolutely nailed it. Um so that's already kind of a, you know, that's an interesting comparison there, but they they very specifically make Starfield look worse than it should by manipulating the camera and the behavior of the NPCs to paint them in this negative light. And I mean, this is what I said last week that they would do, and that's exactly what people did. And it's fascinating to see it. Uh, but there's other problems with them, of course, like the skin shading, there's no subsurface scattering going on. And just some of the lighting is really harsh in spots that can make it look especially weird. So all of that comes together. Although conversely, and we made it into a donkey video in his review of Starfield <laughs> where somebody else was upset that apparently uh, they were like digital foundry lied because they say you can't swim. And then they show the character swimming in third person, not understanding that as the video pointed out, we were talking about swimming beneath the water, right. As a mechanic. And yeah, you can't do that in this game. And it's just, it's funny how people take little bits of information uh, out of, either out of context or, you know, designed to deceive other people. And then they post it everywhere and, and it just, it just floods the internet. And it's, I, I I've reached yeah, the I, point now where I actually, I find this entertaining at, at this point because it's happened for like, I've been monitoring this for like a decade now and it's just, it's, it's predictable <laughs> and funny. And that's exactly what happened here. But I think by and large, I think Starfield looks good, but like with any of these, mm -hmm. Uh, open world games it's very easy to point out areas where it falls short well i'll tell you what makes me laugh is that uh, <laughs> this whole sort of uh, manufactured thing about digital foundry lying where you basically <laughs> spent days using photo modes to show the game in its best possible light yeah exactly That's... It, it, it just doesn't really make sense to the point where you know we've had a few people saying why didn't bethesda show the game looking like this like you did john this like, i know well. exactly like that's <laughs> but I, I i always do this with games it's not just starfield when i cover a big game like this i like to showcase the visuals and really help people mm -hmm. it's like i've i view my video as like a, a camera viewfinder for the audience as a way to like bring the focus to what looks awesome and then explain why it looks awesome. So that was the kind of goal yeah. with that video. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's too hard either because like a lot of areas in Starfield look fantastic. Absolutely. And most of the time, I would say the vast majority of the time, the game at least looks very good. And in some of those interiors, the game can truly look like beautiful at times. So I don't think that, uh, that those little, areas that people might be pointing out on Twitter or something are at all representative of the majority of the experience. It's just like tiny little areas of the game that might not look quite as good as the other areas. I mean, there's there's so much we could talk about here. Going back to that original question about upgrades to the creation engine, the combat is worlds beyond previous uh, Bethesda game titles. It, it's really good. You know, there's, there's a lot going on in this game and we can just barely scratch the surface. Uh, I'm going to um, mention a couple of questions here and uh, we're going to start with, um, yeah, let's talk about this one. Agsma says, have you found an NPC that tosses you into the stratosphere like the giants of Skyrim or something as 
as inane during your playthroughs. This one from Concrete Llama. Is this really Bethesda's most bug-free game? Quote, unquote. What's the weirdest thing you've seen so far? Or has the whole experience been relatively uneventful? Bug performance-wise, Oliver? Uh, well, I haven't found any NPCs that toss you into the stratosphere. <laughs> but I did shoot someone once and their body recoiled in a very dramatic way, like up uh, 10 feet or something, which is pretty funny. Um, in terms of the bugs, I don't know that I've actually noticed, I've played for probably 30 or 35 hours at this point. I'm actually not sure if I've noticed anything that I registered as a bug with the exception of some clipping, uh, like through doors, a little bit of clipping of body parts, things like this. Um, I'm not sure if I would call those bugs. They were unsightly on maybe one or two occasions, <laughs> but it's been a it's been a remarkably bug free experience. And speaking as someone who played like a lot of Fallout Four and Skyrim at launch, it's it's way 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 more polished than those titles. Mm -hmm. uh, have you seen anything, John? That's uh, yeah, that's disconcerting. <sighs> I will say I've encountered some bugs, but I would say they are significantly less. All, most bugs seem to be centered around character navigation and collision right so like npcs getting stuck on things and then behaving weirdly or enemies doing the same it usually amounts to clipping through object and then vibrating up and down wildly that happens not like constantly but it definitely happens and and i've also seen like an npc just kind of like float up through like the hall in my ship uh and just kind of get wedged in there which i thought was entertaining and also some enemies, uh, I forget what they're called, there's like these flying creatures that remind me of cliff racers from Morrowind. I had intended to do a gag with that, with the Morrowind battle music, but I didn't get around to it. But uh, I killed a couple of those things, and they just like froze. Like the physics, physics are supposed to activate on their dead bodies, but they did not. So they just like stopped in midair and just fell slowly to the ground and then clipped through my ship in a weird way because I was standing next to the ship. And that that made me laugh. Uh, so it's mostly that stuff, except for there was one with the doors. I sent you guys that screenshot. You remember that? Where the airlocks, mm -hmm. uh, the airlock doors, you know, airlocks, you press the button, they animate door opens. Yeah. Uh, well, in this case, the airlock doors were like 50 feet up in the air and they were just like, Oh yeah. Above okay. the entry to the, to the place. So it's like, whatever you press the button and they animated, but that was the most interesting though, because, uh, those, those bunkers and such, I always was like, do they use these airlock doors specifically as like hide loading on, you know, rather than a loading screen. But it turns out that since the doors glitched out, you could just kind of walk right in there both doors were just wide open right they were floating in the sky there was no pause so you could just walk on in and explore around and come right back out and everything was functioning normally <laughs> except the doors when you press the button you'd see them animate up in the sky but they didn't actually like block you from anything <laughs> so oh, it's, it's just extra air yeah right i mean the people if you were to go in there in a real space colony with the helmet off, then you might be in trouble if you, if your doors were floating above the <laughs> the base. But in a game, it's no big deal. So that was pretty funny. I think um, basically this is an example where uh, social media has been quite interesting in terms of validating that it's a relatively bug-free experience. Because if you go back to some of the uh, prior BGS launches, you know, like some of the Fallout oh, yeah. games or whatnot, you know, we've seen images of characters with no faces, just like suspended eyes in midair we've seen heads kind of rotating for no reason and yet you know 
we've not actually seen anything that bad, I don't think, on Twitter that's actually gone viral because it seems to be overall a pretty, pretty solid game. I mean, you're talking to someone that finished Cyberpunk on the PC <laughs> pre-launch. <laughs> it had a mostly good time. I had some bugs, of course, but uh, yeah. You know, I think if you poke and prod at these games, you can break them a little bit more. But it does seem to be the case where this one is less breakable than usual for them, which is pretty impressive, I would say. It's a, it's a weird... Yeah. It's like damning by faint praise or something there it's a it's a weird thing to say but it's true it, it's uh literally the only thing i've really seen that sort of has, has gained traction has been the uh the, the weird looking npcs i've not really seen anything beyond that which yeah they look they're pretty bad <laughs> and then you know obviously the loading is still an issue uh loading screens i would mm. say that they're not that is that is ultimately probably the biggest disappointment still for me is how the game is basically segmented like that. Uh, I yeah. suspect that given how the creation engine works and you know all the various things that they're running under the surface with all those item tracking and the physics and everything that they probably could not pull that off where it's fully seamless. But who knows? Maybe the modding community <laughs> will find a way to fix this or not fix it, but you know make changes to the way the map system works. Though even then it becomes difficult because you like you go into Aquila, right? And you want to go into that the rock or whatever it's called. Uh the building interior doesn't match the exterior in terms of scale, right? So they kind of take some liberties with that <laughs> to uh flourish or to flesh out the uh the, the interior spaces, which is funny. Actually, I, I it does one complaint I do have that I've started to encounter after many, many, many hours in this game is that there are repeating uh sort of bases or mines or there's basically repeating spaces within the game and we knew that the game relied on procedural generation right and that that's expected but i was a little surprised to see like exact duplicates of entire facilities across multiple planets like the first time it happened it actually confused me because i was like wait a minute have i been to this planet because the rock formations, the exterior, the interior space, it was 100% mm -hmm. identical. Every enemy in exactly the same place. Uh, it felt like I was doing the same mission a second time, but it was not the same planet. And it, it's right. confusing. So, I mean, I can see why that would happen, but I'm a little surprised they didn't find a way to vary that aspect up a little bit more. Yeah, maybe some sort of roguelike uh sort of randomized variation of similar content yeah at least change where the enemies are or like take it into like individual modules and shuffle the modules around something to just vary it up a little bit because it does feel weird when you go to a planet and encounter the exact same like facility well, that leads us into an interesting question from uh, supporter thank the tonka truck <laughs> uh, uh, expect to see that Tonka truck as a mod within uh, Starfield imminently. But anyway, uh, the, the question, does the procedural generated content actually fit seamlessly into the handcrafted content or is there an obvious turning quality where it's visually apparent that something was generated like terrain with rocks colliding with ferns? Oliver, thoughts? Well, from a visual perspective, I think that the proc gen stuff fits in just fine and i think all the terrain is probably proc gen to some degree or another um that's probably my expectation on all the planets even the planets that are like the prominent ones with cities uh that that's probably how the terrain at least in part was generated so i think their procedural generation system looks visually quite good 
in practice playing the game, it's another story <laughs> with a lot of that content, especially on the uh, pl planets that are just generated according to, you know, a, a random seed and whatnot. Yeah, so that's uh, that that is kind of obvious. I mean, having built enough stuff in Unreal using different like meshes combined with the terrain stuff, and I can I can almost just feel them copying like. Like this is this is the the base aesthetic for this very specific thing, and literally just copy pasting all those meshes yeah. as like one giant grouping into another spot on the terrain and kind of sticking it there. You can kind of exactly feel where it starts and ends, right? Where it's plugged into the terrain. They they clearly did some extra work to make it make the really big cities feel unique and special, like the way New Atlantis is nestled into that mountain. You know, it it feels like it's part of the terrain mostly. If you go around the outskirts, you can kind of get that feeling that it just goes from here's the city to like here's random terrain, right? Uh, but I, you know, I think it works well enough, and it's probably the best they could have done given this how many places you can go. My only complaint there really relates to like this feeling of like you have a city, you have the city limits, and then you have nothing. Right. It's just terrain right. as if you would yeah. build a civilization on a planet and just have that one space. And that's it. Like, you know, New Atlantis has a bunch of coffee shops. And I'm just I'm just imagining the people like they just live there. They've got that same brand of coffee shop, you know, in the different <laughs> districts, a few other shops and some office buildings. And like that is their life. Right. Like that's mm -hmm. that's the their entire existence. Like how many people actually would live on that city? It just it doesn't it's it's a game, right? But it's still when you start thinking about those things when the visual quality reaches a certain point, you know? Uh and it's it kind of makes me honestly think back to like their older works like Daggerfall, where you just have this, this gigantic map of like largely similar looking like flat terrain, uh, with like occasional like city places kind of yeah. jammed in there right it doesn't so that that feels a little bit weird but i i don't know how you really solve that like you know at least with uh while humans are still making things like it just seems like such a gigantic problem right i think that given the given the size and scope and scale the game they were making i think they arrived on probably the correct solutions yeah but like for me the proc gen stuff is probably the worst aspect of the game and the aspect yeah, yeah. of the game that I really don't like so, so much because it leads to like the there not being very much meaningful exploration. I played a couple hours of Skyrim on my Switch the other day just to give myself a refresher for the, how that felt like. And you could basically go in any direction through this contiguous landmass in a game like Skyrim or Fallout 4 and see like landmarks, quests, cities, just go around, explore, and you'd see meaningful content. And in Starfield, basically, you have like a Mass Effect 2 style galaxy map. Yeah, yeah. You go to random locations. You might go to a planet that might have a mission on it, but you just go straight to the marker. Nothing else is interesting. It's all just proc gen. Um, and I expected that at least for the planets with cities on them, there'd be more meaningful content. That really Same. isn't the case. So that's really my, like, I really like uh, Starfield. I've enjoyed playing it quite a lot, and I'm going to keep playing it for sure. Uh, and there are lots of aspects of the gameplay that I really do enjoy. But I really do miss that feeling of exploring, uh, exploring a handcrafted world with lots of interesting stuff to see, because that was always the really big appeal of older Bethesda titles for me. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting point that you made, John, about the the sort of city sitting there in isolation. I think we talked about it a bit in the last yeah, we did. Uh, DF Direct Weekly. But yeah, basically, there's no ecosystem there. No. You know, you go to Skyrim, and you, you're seeing 
the entire ecosystem. There's farmers, there's castles, there's kings, there's peasants. You're seeing the whole sort of uh, tapestry of life as depicted in that game, whereas everything is kind of a bit more isolated and you would expect more from a colonized world than just a city, right? That's what I was thinking, um, comparing it to something like uh, Cyberpunk again. Like you, you, when you wander through those streets, whether you like the game or not, there's a sense that every single bit of that entire game world is handcrafted and designed to represent yeah. something very specific. And it's the same with The Witcher 3, I would argue, where it's just this gigantic, seamless, super crafted thing. And I know you can't do it at the scale of what they're trying to do with Starfield, but I do wish at least the main the main worlds, like uh, where Jemison, where New Atlantis is, had actually been built closer to that maybe not at that quality level given you know how much other stuff's in the game but i wish there had been a little bit more of that cohesiveness there like a like a full mm -hmm. planet the closest they get to this i think is still neon which conceptually i think is very interesting being that it's essentially a planet of ocean and they've built this gigantic cyber city on these giant metal pylons and it's in it's on neon where i actually felt the closest in terms of like they have a functioning kind of society here right like you get all the outskirts around on the exterior with the different gangs and types of shops there you get that middle section that like long narrow corridor that matches up with what you see from the exterior you know ships mm -hmm. coming in and out it does actually feel like a place that could exist in some sort of sci-fi universe in a way that it doesn't when you just go to another planet like Aquila, especially like, good Lord. It's like, it's like little tiny fallout town. And then that's it. There's nothing, there's really not much else going yeah. on there. It's just, it feels weird. But aside from that, I, I do, I am having fun with the game. Uh, it is, it plays so much better than their prior works. I think the weapons feel good. The storyline is pretty engaging. Uh, there's some stuff that they're doing with like new game plus that we've i'm not going to spoil it but it's kind of like very unexpected and i think once people start to see what they're trying to do at that level it's gonna it's gonna get some people talking let's just say like i'm not gonna say this is like oh they've done a near automata but it's closer to that than what they've done in the past you know what i mean uh mm -hmm. and so there, there's cool stuff in here that really impressed me on that regard so it's a good game Okay, let's just wrap up with a couple of questions. This one sure from thing. Gary Lucero. Uh, Bethesda isn't using ray tracing for Starfield, right? Instead, opting for real-time global illumination. Unlike many of your patrons, I'm not quite smart enough to understand the difference, but was it the right call as far as DF is concerned? Who wants to take that one? Oliver? Uh, yeah, they aren't using ray tracing. They're doing some kind of real-time GI system. I don't know if it's based on, on uh, their kind of cube maps or what they're doing, but I think the principal difference would be that the uh, level of detail you're not getting a per pixel level of detail in that uh, resolve you know you're getting a, a pretty decent I would say impression of GI in some areas like when you look at certain overhangs that have very obvious color um, there is some very obvious bounce in that area and it does contribute to the overall lighting setup of the game but it's not giving you like that really nice per pixel goodness that you'd see in like Metro Exodus, for instance, the enhanced edition. Right. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not nearly as granular as that. It's not localized okay. correctly like that. What yeah. You get with a per pixel solution, like when it's reflecting across the underside of like an overpass or something, or within a tunnel, the light kind of leaks through. Right. 
I think they might be sampling the cube maps for their lighting data because it does seem to correspond uh, with the uh, shiny objects where you can also see sort of this like ambient lighting on there, but there could be some other, maybe they're doing some probe stuff. I'm not sure. Uh, the main, the main thing here is that they could trying to do this real time was like their one real option here, right? Because a lot of games rely on completely baked global illumination. Uh, and they sometimes combine that with other uh, inputs, but you can't bake out a game like this really, no. right? The the size of the data no necessary to do that would be insane. <laughs> so, you know, they've come up with an interesting approximate GI solution. It gets the job done well enough, but when one of our patrons delved into the CVARs and discovered that there's some kind of ray tracing option in there, it did make me wonder about what those guys had been experimenting with uh, pre-release <laughs> and if there's ever some potential for ray tracing in there. <laughs> Mm, interesting. Well, let's move on to the final question. This one from Jordan Spano. Jordan Spano, sorry. Um, does a game like Starfield benefit from the console exclusivity? If it's meant to push hardware sales for Xbox, is this the reason for the Series S revision as, it, as it's likely to be the more appealing buy-in? That's an interesting point, right? Because I actually think that the uh, if you think about what Starfield is doing on PC, it seems to be quite a demanding game, right? Um, and then we look at the quality of the Series S version, which, you know, th these machines are so, so cheap now. I mean, the, the retail price is uh, $299, but, you know, just look around. You can get one a lot cheaper than that. And you're getting a properly decent version of Starfield. Uh, it, it can't help but not be a, a system seller of sorts for Xbox. Uh, what do you reckon, John? I think it's uh, it kind of needed to be, and I think it is. It's pretty yeah. much the first one of these that xbox has had right like uh everything's mm -hmm. been totally cross-gen up to this point and this is the first truly big game that xbox has had where it's like you know you either play it on pc or you gotta buy one of the xbox systems so i think for that it's a it's a pretty smart play and this is what i've always said about why we need these kind of exclusives to push the console sales forward it's like you need a compelling reason to justify buying another box Right. And I think, you know, typical Joe Gamer would have been okay with like an Xbox One version, no matter how poor it may have been of prior games anyway. And just be like, whatever. I just want to play it. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. But by making this series exclusive or PC, you know, if you want to play it, that's the only way you can do it. You got to buy it, buy a machine. So I'm sure that I'm sure this will help drive Xbox sales. I think the game, just to return to that question, I think the game has benefited a lot actually from its console exclusivity, but not for the usual reasons of like targeting a more limited set of platforms, but just because Microsoft allowed them the appropriate amount of time and resources to get this game in such a good state out of the out of the box. We know that a lot of studios at Microsoft collaborated on this game and helped them out if you look through the credits. And we also know that the game was delayed uh, at least once, perhaps delayed internally before then, right? But delayed by 10 months. And that's probably a huge part of the reason as to why the game is so polished right now in September 2023, right? That that game was actually pushed back to give them more time. So I don't think that if they're in a third party uh, scenario, that they're delaying that game and giving it all the external help that it really needed to get in as good of a shape as it is now with the excellent combat, with the motion blur, with all this other stuff. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a really good point. Yeah. It's, you know, they had a lot riding on this game, so I'm sure they poured as many resources as they could to get it out the door in a decent state, which, as uh, you say, may not have happened otherwise and has never happened in the past. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's pretty much everything we've got to say about Starfield, unless you guys have got any uh, final thoughts you'd like to chime in with before I wrap this one up. Uh, Do you have any? (laughs) It's the beginning of a busy season, right? It's a big, big (laughs) game release, and there's a lot more big game releases coming soon. And yeah, so... Uh, but I'm, I'm happy with this one so far and I think it's pretty cool. And I think most people seem pretty happy with it as well, even if it has its drawbacks, which, you know, what many games do. And I'm not surprised mm-hmm. that, that this one does as well, but yeah, I, I'm good stuff. Mm-hmm. Your final thoughts, Oliver? Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, uh, I'll probably put another 30 or 60 hours into it before the year closes, and I wouldn't be surprised if it finds a spot on my own personal Game of the Year list. I'm really enjoying it. Um, There are some caveats, uh, just related, mostly related to the scope. I I think that maybe if they'd targeted a bit of a smaller scope, that might have ultimately been good for the game. But for what it offers for the terrific quest design for the flexibility for the combat for the jetpack i love the jetpack mm-hmm. i think they're doing so much cool stuff in this game and i really enjoy it i had to chuckle there had to be some caveats it wouldn't be, D- <laughs> it wouldn't be a df video wouldn't be a DF some caveats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's it that's the end of our df direct special for starfield i hope you enjoyed it hope you enjoyed that um frankenstein's console testing we did at the beginning there i thought it was quite fun uh if you did enjoy it please do like subscribe share ring the bell for whatever notifications hopefully and uh, yeah df supporter program maybe i'll do an edit of some more of that frankenstein's console footage there because there's a lot of it as uh as oliver's downloads <laughs> download backlog probably Uh, indicates at the moment Uh, but yeah that's all from us for this one thanks for watching